Hello and welcome to the Carmichael podcast. We provide support and guidance to other charities and non-profits on running their organisations and complying with good governance practice. In this series, we'll be asking questions and hopefully providing answers to the big issues. My name is Derek O'Reilly. I'm training manager here in Carmichael. And with me is Carmichael CEO, Dermot O'Kerbui. And our topic today is, why is using your annual report to tell your story important for non-profits? So without further ado, I'm going to put the question to Dermot, why is using your annual report to tell your story important for non-profits? Thanks, Eric. I suppose if we start really that, you know, non-profits or charities, they are set up specifically with a purpose in mind, to do something. So they're different from, say, for-profit organisations who primarily are there to make some money and, and provide goods and services to do that. Non-profit and charities are there for a particular purpose. So that purpose is really the reason for being. And it's very important for charities to tell their story to their various stakeholders. And by the stakeholders, I'm talking about the people that provide the services and supports to their beneficiaries, to their volunteers, to those who support the organisation, to those who fund it, to those who regulate it. So that group of stakeholders are very, very important to them. And they don't get too many opportunities to tell their story in their words where they can control the narrative. And the annual report is one such occasion where you're required to tell your story and what we found, unfortunately, a lot of non-profits tend to see this as a compliance burden. This is something I need to do if the charity regulator and if they're a company limited by guarantee, this is something that we need to file with the company's office. And they use it as an opportunity just to meet their basic minimum requirements and they miss a huge opportunity. It's interesting you mentioned there about your purpose because I think one of the things we've also found in Carmichael looking at the annual reports of other organisations is perhaps a disconnect between the annual report and the purpose of the organisation. Yes, I think again it goes back to sort of the mindset that these are prepared and if they're seen as purely a compliance they say well I need to send in my accounts and forget well, what are the accounts are telling the story of what the charity did or the non-profit did in the particular previous 12 months? And part of your storytelling is to say, this is us, this is an organisation, we're set up, whether it is to provide meals and wheels or to provide services to people with mental health conditions, this is who we are and what we're about. And this year, these are the sort of things we've been doing. So it starts telling the story of what your purpose is, what you're trying to do and achieve, who you are, how you're organised, how you're governed, where you get your money and who gives you that money and what you do with that money. And very important in telling your story is, is the so what? What difference do you make? You know, have you made? What did you achieve? What the impact of that achievement is? And if and we all know, working in a non-profit, everything goes plain so smoothly. You will always be struggling, whether it's getting volunteers, whether it's getting sufficient funding. What are those challenges that you've met last year in trying to deliver on your purpose? And then what your plans are for the future in terms of trying to address those or to try and do more in the com- coming years. So then it is, as you say, very important to link it back to who we are, what's our purpose, and what are we doing on delivering that purpose? Because that's when the charity regulator wants, you know, in the activity. The activity report of the charity regulator that you display is, Okay, charities, you've been given charitable status to do something. Tell me and uh, the public and the regulators what you did last year. And that's what the activity report for the charity regulator is. And so you look at it and say, here's my opportunity. 
to reach out not just to the charity regulator but beyond that and talking to your staff talking to your volunteers talking to those potentially who might support you it's a huge opportunity that unfortunately and then we see too often is a missed opportunity that people delegate it and we were talking about this last week and we we're talking about how people subcontract it out so the the trustees or the board say well if they have staff members they'll get a staff member to write the report the staff member might say, well, we bring in our firm of accountants and let them do the financial statements and they get their boilerplate and you could be company X, company Y, charity A, quarry B. They have come with a set template and they've populated and say, here you go. And you say, right, that meets my legal requirements. Charity trustees sign off on it. And they forget that this is their report. It is the trustees or the director's report. And that's, that. It, and more and more, they, they are signing their name and say, we as a board are standing over what is said here. Yes. And I think also you've put your finger on something that can be quite hazardous. If one person is writing an annual report, they're only giving one perspective. And really, an annual report has to include a number of different perspectives. Part of the role of the board is standing back from the organisation and looking at it in a wider context. So the, there's an opportunity for the board to reflect that in the annual report. There is indeed, and particularly, and which we'd like to see, and some, some charities are good at this, is the chairperson statement, which really is not a regurgitation of what the CEO might say or, or the staff might say about what the organisation did. It is taking that bigger picture and say what the organisation, what the charity has done in the context of its purpose, but also looking at the wider environment and some of the opportunities, some of those challenges, some of the changes that have occurred that might affect them. Just thinking about what you said briefly there in terms of looking back over the year and giving a narrative of what was done in the year, and then you touched briefly on plans for the future, so looking forward as well as backwards. Can you just explain to us a little bit, like, how does that work out in an annual report? How do you decide how much of a chunk of the annual report would look forwards rather than backwards? Because some people would say, well, an annual report by its nature is looking backwards rather than forwards. Yeah, and there is a tendency. And the tendency tends to be looking at the figures, last year's figures in terms of the income you've received and the expenditure. And some more and more better tell them, well, what we did against a particular plan. Mm-hmm. And the governance code for charities now said you need to have a plan for what you're doing so this is reporting against the plan for that current that particular year but also it said in light of what we've learned and what we did last year what we plan to do the next next year and you would use you may have a three-year three-year strategic plan or you may have just a one-year plan but that would set out what you want to achieve in the next year so it gives a sense, this is what we did, this is the sort of the performance we've had and the results we've achieved or the particular challenges we've had. So next year our focus is going to be delivering the following or trying to address some of those problems or take opportunities. So you may find that you've got more volunteers have come forward or you may have found that you've got higher demand for your services, what you're doing as an organisation for the coming year. So it gives a context that this is a journey that you're on. It isn't just a point in time. It is a continuous journey between this is what we did last year, this is what we are doing now, and this is what we hope to do in the future in the context of what we've learned and what we experienced in that 12 months. And should you also look at your risk and your risk management as part of that? Well, you should, yeah. And again, more and more people need to think about, well, what are those risks that could Blows off course. What are the challenges that we might have as an organisation? So, 
identifying what those key risks might be is a very useful exercise because it helps you sort of think about different scenarios about if this happened how would we how would we respond to this potentially could affect us so a lot of organizations are trying to plan around brexit for instance which is difficult because we don't know where it's going to go but there are certain things we do know that things will be changed so part of you're looking at your risks you say well what what are those risks and what are we doing to manage or mitigate those risks that we might, might have so it brings a conversation not only that you might be having internally in the organization thinking about these things and, and discussing them at the board level, it is bringing it to the attention of your stakeholders as well and say, look, we, are a stru- we, we have certain struggles or we have certain uncertainties. We are doing this to try and manage it the best we can, but there are some things that are outside our control. So following on the Brexit analogy, it may be that next year funding for the non-profit sector may be reduced. So what sort of things, what implications would that have? What sort of things can we plan to... In, in advance of that, are to be prepared if, if it did happen. So getting that conversation going internally is a starting point in terms of looking at the risks, but then being brave and, and transparent on front and say, here, we know we, we have, we're not master of our own destiny and all these things. We have certain things that we can control, certain things we can manage, but there are other things that we need to be aware of in, in environments. So it could be new legislation that's coming down that, that we need to be prepared for, or the implementation of new, new le- le- legislation and it's not so long ago when GDPR was high in everybody's agenda and it may have slipped off because that, that date has passed. But that was a major risk for a lot of organizations in thinking, okay, how are we going to comply with the requirements in the GDPR? What planning do we need to put in place? What training do we need to bless? What help do we need to get to help us do that? So those are the sort of things that you need to be demonstrating to, again to your stakeholders that you are looking at that yes. that you have a plan and that you are that you're setting out what this is what you're going to do so again you don't cover every risk that you might have in an organization but the principal risks that you're facing and how you might manage that yes and i think that's also encouraging for people looking in from the outside because they see okay you're taking your work seriously you're taking your organization seriously you're not just living in the moment so you're looking at things from a wider perspective. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And I think, talk a bit later on about the governance award that we set up, but one of the things we get when the judges are looking at it is when they're reading an annual report, it's the questions that are unanswered. Those things that are worried, well, for sake of instance, they haven't spoken about risk. We know every organization has to have risk. Why haven't they? Are they, are they ignoring the risks? Are they, they need to sort of not create doubt or concern in the reader of the annual report by not addressing those things because they, they know that every organization has risk. So again, not leaving in the moment, not pretending if we don't say it, it'll go away, or we, we don't want to highlight this to sort of people said, well, we have a challenge. People know every charity has challenges, and just being upfront and say, tackle it head on. Yes. Uh, you mentioned briefly their governance, and I think it's very topical. Good governance is one of the hot topics at the moment. How can your annual report demonstrate that good governance is in place, do you think? Again, it is an illustration. It's one of the ways you can demonstrate it. By talking about the things we've just talked about, like we mentioned risk, that, that it demonstrated this is something that you've looked at. By talking about your strategy and your performance against a strategy, again, it's demonstrating that these are the sort of critical issues that you're addressing, that you're dealing with, and you're showing in your annual report where you're at and what you're hoping to do and your, your, your challenges. So it gives people a sense, yes, they're doing all these things. Now, 
Somebody says, well, that's all fine in paper. What happens in reality? Yes, I, I accept that you can get a great person to write a great annual report, but it, if it's not true, it, it, it's not what the paper is written on. But I do think if you are writing and putting it into a report, there is a higher chance that it does reflect some of the realities. I'm not saying that somebody gill the lily and use nice flowery language to, to, to sort of cover over and problems, but I think by being upfront, transparent, and speaking the language of your organisation, so that the tone of the annual report needs to reflect the type of organisation you are. I think people will get a sense, yes, this is an organisation that is taking good governance practice seriously. They are identifying the sort of things they, sh- they should be addressing and they're telling me, the reader, and me, the supporter, and me, the regulator, about it so I can now get a better sense of, of, of what they're te- dealing with. As I said, it's the unanswered questions, the things that don't get covered off are the ones that cause more concern than the... Exactly. And in fact, one of the principles of the Charities Governance Code is transparency and accountability. So I think it's important that an annual report is also as transparent and as accountable as it can be. Yeah, yeah it is. It is getting a bit of a bugbear here in terms of... There is a sense of, say, you know, maybe it's an Irish thing, tell them as little as we can, you know, as we need to. If you're a charity, you have a certain status in society and certain entitlements and um, privileges that you've been given by being a charity, but that comes with an obligation that you are more transparent than you would if it was a, a private company. You do need to account for your charitable status and time, who you are, what you're doing, where you're getting your money, and how you spend that money, what difference you're going to make. So it is that part of the thing that you have a bond and a trust with the communities that you operate in, with the, with the public, with the, with the funders, whether they are um, private or public or a mixture of both. You have that obligation to be very upfront, and it's a much higher standard of openness that you would expect from a, a other companies. So it's not taking the minimum of what is the least amount. It's what much can, should we do to be able to craft our story and to say this is what we are, warts and all. This is what fantastic things we are doing because the, the amount of fantastic things that are happening every day by charities around the country. There's assumption that actual people know what we're doing. They don't. And you do need to tell that. And, and I, you know, I, I use the example of Meals and Wheels. Because, uh, my wife was involved in Meals and Wheels for quite a while. I lived in the area for 25 years and I kept telling her, I don't know what you do. I don't know that you're looking for volunteer drivers. I don't know who's on the committee. I don't know how many meals you deliver in a year. I'm here 25 years, so I, you know, I'm sure you're doing great work, but I... I only pick up snippets from what I might hear you say. They should, even if they took four pages once a year to send out to everybody in the community and say, this is who we are, this is what we're doing, here are, here are the number of people, numbers of people we deliver meals on a daily, weekly, annual basis, and also we need help. We, you know, without volunteers stepping forward to do, do some of the rosters, without volunteers stepping forward to go on the committees and on the board, we won't survive. So that's what I'm saying to every organisation, that they can't rely on just the fact that they're doing good, that people know, and if they're doing good, what, what they need from others to help them, because there is lots of genuine support out there. People like to, would like to be asked or would like to know and say, yes, I'm willing to step forward because I think this is something that I want to be part of. So by telling your story, you're also enhancing your prospects of getting more support from whatever sources that you might be thinking of, be it volunteers or from potential statutory funders or other funders. Absolutely, absolutely. Because this is a big challenge and we hear it you know, from time and time again is that they find it a struggle maybe to get more volunteers or people are, are, are time poor these days with so many other pressures or they can't get people to go on the boards or go on as trustees. But I go back to them and say, what are you doing to promote yourself? 
What are you doing to tell your stories about why I should get involved and what role you would expect me if I do get involved? It's as simple things as we run a, a network for board chairs and you know it comes up and recruiting board members is a, a challenge. And I said, if you were recruiting a CEO, think about the effort that you would spend describing the role, describing the organization, and selling this to try to attract the best CEO to apply for your job. And then contrast that with the approach you take to hiring or recruiting a new board member. And in fact, the board members are the ones that control and direct and guide the organization. And it's something you would say, look around, well, who can we get? Who, whose shoulder can we put a hand on and ask, would you mind or would you be willing to go on the board? So again, it goes related to that sort of, we need to be much better as a sector at being upfront telling our stories, reaching out, and acknowledging the good things we do and the weaknesses that we have. Uh, I suppose one of the things that uh, people would be looking for in an annual report is finances and a good picture of what the financial situation is in an organisation. How can you ensure that the annual report shows that as clearly as possible? Again, I think thinking about what you're doing and where the money goes, if you are delivering services, what are the expenses related to deliver those services? And, you know, if you've used a lot of volunteers, are there expenses around the training of those volunteers and supporting those volunteers if you've got staff? So, again, you know, setting out clearly what it is that you're doing, relating them back to your objectives and your purpose as a charity and talking through those, through those figures what the income comes comes in, what that income is meant for, how it is utilised and what difference does that money make. So again, linking, it's just, just counting money in, money out. It is saying, where did that money come from? What sources? We would say requirements are linked or a specific purpose was linked to those because a lot of the money you get isn't free money. It is, you get money to do X and you're expected to report against, well, I've got, say, if a, if you got a funding from a government department to the launch a new service, they expect the money to be spent on that service, not on other activities. So you need to report, report on that. So again, it's tying in what you're trying to do, what you're being given money for and accounting for that money and then explaining it. And so the financial tell an important story but only tell part of the story and that's come back to what we said earlier is that there's over-reliance on just saying here are the figures and you interpret the figures as you try whereas we're saying the director's report should provide the meat and the bones behind those figures the story the human the human aspect around what you're doing as 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 a charity and delivering the services organizing yourself delivering services putting out services or advocating for for particular groups of people that's the real sort of get people interested in yes the figures are very important but it's the story behind those figures and how they link, as we were saying earlier, into your purpose, your objectives for the year and your, your, your responsibilities as, as a charity. Yes, and in fact, that's really touching on a point that was made earlier about outputs and outcomes and the difference between them, I suppose, to explain it very simply. Outputs are really the, the figures, the things that's accountable things that you might have done during the year. The outcomes then being, I suppose, the, the, the difference that you've made or the impact that you've had on people's lives that's the really critical thing for organizations to be able to explain that we are actually making a difference can you give any advice on how you would try to include the outcomes as much as possible and to emphasize that in the annual report well, again it goes back to what you're trying to achieve and outcomes can be a little bit more difficult because you're talking about maybe a longer span than just a one year so what difference have you been trying to make over a period of years and, and if you can tr- track and monitor that in terms of the differences that that has made so thinking about 
that sometimes it may take 5, 10, 15, 20 years before outcomes fully realise, but some are short on that. But it's thinking about what it is you're trying to achieve and how you would use indicators along the way to give an indication of how you're progressing to achieve those outcomes. So I think it goes back to thinking rather than just the short term, thinking the long long term about asking you really what difference are you trying to make? And people's lives and, and, and the, people, the, the beneficiaries you serve, and what are the, what are things will help to indicate that that, that that difference is being made. So think about that, and, and uh, you know, in a, you may not be able to have all the outcome information in the first year, but over the next three years, you say, well, if we are thinking seriously about we want to make a difference, what's that journey over the next three years in making the difference for the cohort we're going to be working with today, and and and, and linking in that way. I've just one other question for you, but I think it is a very important one. And this is simple advice, really, we're looking for here. If somebody was about to start writing an annual report tomorrow, what advice would you give them before they start putting pen to paper? There is, there is a tendency always to when you have that task to, to dive in and start writing. I think part of it is, is, is to stand back and think, what are the central messages we need to deliver here. There are certain things that we need to cover off. There are the basics, but then beyond the sort of the minimum requirements, what do we want to inform people about our organization in, in the course of the year? So again, it goes back to reminding people of who you are and why you were set up and what you're trying to do. It's thinking about around those messages in terms of, the, say, it was 2018 you were doing. What do we do in 2018 that relates to that? What messages do we want to talk about our experience in 2018 that will inform what we're doing in 2019 and in 2020? So it's thinking, stop thinking back to, come back to the, strip it down to the bare basics. Who are we? What are we about? What are we trying to achieve? And in our annual report, what is the narrative that we want to use to get that message across? And it's not about doing the fancy PR piece. It is telling your story, warts and all, successes and challenges, tribulations. It's been true to yourselves true to your organization and true to what you're trying to achieve and you know because you know people will will know if you're if you're gilding the lily a bit in terms of using florian language and don't recognize some of the other challenges that you have because people know the organizations whether it's your staff your volunteers your funders so you know who you're kidding i would say sometimes in in that so be true be, you know but again it's going back to any sort of exercise you know you do in any project is what are you trying to achieve and with the annual report you're trying to tell a story about your organization so within that what are the key messages you want to get across how you're going to get across how you're going to relate the figure part which is, is important by the way with the with the actual doing and as i say people don't get excited by figures they get excited by the human story around what you are trying to achieve as an organization but they do need to link in they, need, they, they can't be distant cousins that we closely integrated in in the report and that's part of the mechanical process that some people have is that they, they let the auditors do the financials and then they they write so again one of the things we have in the governance award is what we set up the governance award was to, to recognize organizations that are making a good effort to tell a good story in, in terms of a, in terms of a behind good governance practice. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the judges said, looking at it, it seems like it was written by a committee. There's about five or six different styles to five, five different messages jumbled up in, in the report as if everybody got their section, they filled it in and nobody stood back and said, like we're saying, what is a central message here? And does this reflect who we are, what we're about and what we achieved last year and what we hope to achieve in the future? So, we looked at the, 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 when we set up the awards, it was to say, look, in, realistically, we are poor as a sector telling our story. 
what can we do to encourage it? So let's recognize the, the, good, the, good, the ones that are good or those are making good effort and to be better at it. And we recognize the sector is so wide, so diverse. So you know, if, if you start talking about the, the sector and you realize there's so many different aspects to it. So we divided it by using a simple thing by size. So we have five categories, those organizations under 250,000 a year, right up to those up in category five, which is over 15 million. So, right, we've, so there's a category for each, each one. But we said, let's focus in and tell in the story. And we've got good response. And each year, the, the entries are increasing. The quality is going up. The excitement about the awards is going up. But we do recognize that we are scratching the surface. There's a vast majority of the charities out there are untouched by all of this or say, I haven't got the time. And that's the sort of thing, I haven't got the time to spend writing a report. And I'm saying this is one of the things, if the things you need to do, it is write a good annual report because it is so important. Just... Two things that sort of bring it home to me. Now, I'm on a board of a, a, a charity as well as my day job. I've been the chief executive here in Carmack. I'm on the board of a charity. And we've been working to try and improve our own story, what we do, because a lot of people don't really understand what we do, which is not, not dissimilar for quite a few of the charities. It can be difficult sometimes. But we spent a bit of work trying to clear, be clear about who we are, what we do, and what we are trying to achieve put that information into the annual report, but also put it up on our website. And we were very lucky as a board meeting, the chief executive came in and says, we've been approached by a foundation that have been doing a due diligence. We knew nothing about them. We don't know who they are before. They said they like what we do. They like the type of work we're doing and the way we do it. And they want to put a significant funding in place to fund two new posts to to, to things. So that was based on people looking from the outside in. Um, looking and making decisions about our organization that we had no part of. So they were relying solely on information that we put out there. So people need to remember that the filed reports in the old days were in the company's office or wherever they went. Nobody really saw them. With the advent of Benifax, which is the online database for the nonprofit sector, anybody can, within a few clicks, can get look at your annual report. They can go in and read that annual report and it can form an opinion whether, oh, I'm going, I'm, I'd be interested in going on the board of that organization or I'd be interested in giving funding to that organization or I'm interested in being a volunteer or I am not based on what's in there. And we need to wake up to this, that, that there is more visibility of those reports. So I'm saying people are making judgments on you. So I would look and say, does this reflect us as an organization, this minimalist boilerplate annual report that we've submitted to tick the box that we've complied with or is this something that will excite people will energize people will get people motivated whether they're working in the organization or volunteering the organization or potentially supporting the organization so these are important communication tools that are being missed and people are reading them and making decisions about your organization that you don't know about because and and, and they may, you may not be getting that phone call or you may not be getting that engagement because people have says I don't I, I'm not comfortable with the level of information they're providing. There's more questions in my head after reading that than than there are answers, and that's not a position we'd want to be in. Yes. Just a practical thing, Dermot. You mentioned the Good Governance Awards. For those who don't know about the Good Governance Awards, where should they go to to find out more information? We have a website called the Good Governance Awards You'll get all the information you need about what the awards is about, the different categories, the entry requirements. We have two award types. We have one which initially was the first award was for the annual report. We also brought in last year a new award for initiatives. We recognize that sometimes it might take a number of years for organizations to feel comfortable that their annual report is at the, So we said, tell us what you're doing 
in 750 words what you've been doing in your organization to improve the governance of the organization. So two pages. Send it in. The closing date for the entries for both the annual report and for the governance is the 13th of September. There will be great feedback. We've got fantastic panel of assessors, counting firms and judges involved in the process. And this has mushroomed over the, over the last four years. So we've over 50 people that have said, this is something I want to get involved with. I believe it is a good, a good initiative and have been very, very supportive and helping. Without, like a lot of charities, without the volunteer input, we wouldn't have no awards. So you get very, very good feedback. And for some organizations, they just enter to get the feedback on their annual report, tell them where they need to improve on if they want to have a good annual report. So it's a fantastic, it's easy. If you're doing your annual report, you've already prepared it, so you just upload it and send it in to us. So there's no extra effort now. If you're going for the initiative, it means writing 750 more words, which is really what was the issue that you you tackled in terms of a governance issue, what actions did you take, and what has been the result or the impact of that action. So again, two pages, not, not, not particularly onerous, but it is given a sense of we're seriously, as an organisation, taking good governance to our heart, and we want to continually improve our applying of those good governance. So again, Good Governance Awards at IE, great website in terms of if you want to know about the awards, and there's lots of resources and templates there as well. Good stuff. That's great, Dermot. And I think uh, well worth looking at that website, goodgovernancewards.ie, in the interest of an organization to, to get, their, get their message out there through that as well. Okay, so I'm hoping that has given some simple and straightforward and practical advice on why using your annual report is important to tell your story. Thank you, Dermot. Thank you very much, Derek. Thank you for listening to the first episode of this new Carmichael podcast. If you'd like to find out more about our training and services, have a look at carmichaelireland.ie. And do give us a shout, please. I'm Derek O'Reilly, Training Manager, and with me has been Dermot O'Curbwee, our CEO. And we'll be back again soon. Slán. <laughs>